0: Welcome to the C3 Silicon Valley Church Podcast. Senior pastors Adam and Kyrus Malcolm are so excited to share this message with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3SV, we know that God has the best in store for you, today and every day. How many people have been loving our Plus One series? It's been phenomenal, right? And today is the conclusion. I'm so privileged to be able to close it out and... uh, I just think it's cool because you know we're a church about relationship when we have message titles like Blind Date and Scandalous Chase, right? It's like just action-packed with these relationship analogies from Pastor Adam and Kira, and it's like we get this powerful sermon with free dating advice. It's like, awesome. And uh, I, I love this series. I think it's really powerful and, and significant time in our church because how many know we've been transitioning lately in the past several months from this vision that we started with with let's get started, right? Remember that year one? Yeah. Let's get started. Let's start building teams. Let's start building culture. Let's start building leaders, right? Yeah. And then in the past several months, we've transitioned from that vision of let's get started to let's reach 5,000 people in five years, right? And uh, while this is a a massive vision, while this is an incredible vision that you can really build your life around, that you can really sow into and and serve under, while it's a huge vision, the question still remains, right? How the heck is that possible? 5,000 people. And, And what I love about this church is, As we transition into that vision, we've gotten real practical with this invitation series, right? How are we going to reach 5,000? Through your plus one, right? Through your invitation. And how do we do that? Pastor Kira, she said a couple weeks ago that the most powerful outreach tool that you have sometimes is simply stated, come and see, right? Come and see what I've seen. Come and experience what I've experienced, right? But then what happens when you uh, go out and, and you're all pumped up and you start inviting and then all of a sudden it just feels like you get rejection after rejection of your invitation, right? And then Pastor Adam, I thought, spoke so well to that. Like maybe it's not all about just inviting them. Maybe it's about accepting their invite sometimes, right? Maybe it's not about just having them meet us all the time. It's us meeting them where they're at. Come on. This is powerful preaching, church. This is practical teaching. It's, it's powerful because it follows the model of Jesus. That's how Jesus lived, right? And it's practical because it's for everyone. It's for anyone. See, what, the, 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 what I love about this not religious, neither are we um, campaign that we're doing is, is, is religion is not relatable, right? Jesus is, Right? Religion says one thing, but wants to do another thing, right? That's like us trying to, to throw rule books out at the world. We throw all these rules and regulations, but we can't even follow them ourselves, right? That's religion. See, there's no power in us trying to modify behavior. There's all the power in trying to show somebody a savior. Come on, Right? See, 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 I have a lot of thoughts about this topic. I have a lot of thoughts about this topic. So um, I want to share more thoughts with you. Is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I'm going to share some thoughts about religion and religiosity. But what you guys got to do is if you agree with any of these statements, you got to give me feedback, okay? And, and I'm coming out of a cold, so I can't hear out of my right ear. So you got to be extra loud for me today. All right. All right. Is that cool? All right. It's like this. How many know that people can say one thing but it's so much powerful if they actually live it, right? That's the thing about religion. You can preach one thing and still be sinning, but worse hiding cuz you don't think you can fight in these people called Christians that talk about Christ and when it comes to walk like Christ does, I'm a little righteous cuz when I see the poor, a drunk, a thug, I say they not really like us. Right? I'm a walking contradiction, this addiction to religion. Jesus said, be fishers of men, but how come I'm never fishing? I hashtag on mission as I take a photo of the mission. Then the homeless asked for help, so went back in my car, turned on the ignition. I drove away when we're supposed to be the way, tripping. (laughs) This is what I'll do, though. See, I'll make it right because I know Jesus is calling us. So I put a plus one card on my coworker's desk signed anonymous. Aww. Not going to lie with my boldness. I struggle much to be honest. Sometimes don't even want the struggle or to muscle up. But that's the thing about complacency. That's the thing about religion. It's addictive. It's a sickness. The enemy uses it to distract us, keep us focused on our weakness. But that's okay, because guess who's made strong in my weakness? Jesus. He's my thesis, my faith, my confidence, my reason. That's why I stand here in church and proclaim his word in this sermon and stand in the world, stir up more controversy than Richard Sherman. Because I have a cause, I'm determined, I'm convinced. I'll go as far as say certain that my God is a God who wants to use me to rescue the hurting. Because you know what the fact is? Each individual is fashioned for a purpose and a great plan. Anyone has access to the promises of God and to be empowered to take action, to reach as many people before he makes his return like taxes. He's setting free captives, coming back for his bride, his kids. This is massive. Our message is attractive like my bride is. I'm too passionate. I can't hide this. This contentment too real. You can't buy this. Put your GPS away, church. He'll guide this. Put religion away, church. He despised it, and us too. We'll fight it. Relationship over religion. And whatever you struggle with next time, try this. Find gain through the pain because you're alive in him. Someone gets excited. Come on. Give him a big praise. I know we're not a religious church. Give him a big praise. Come on. The title of my message today, for taking notes, the title of my message is No Pain, No Gain. No Pain, No Gain. Hit a neighbor, say, no pain, no gain. Turn to the other neighbor, say, it hurts so good. All right. We need to stop messing around. We got to read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Acts 9-11. Can we all turn to Acts 9-11? I love so much, church, that we're not called to be religious. Amen. I love that our God, Jesus Christ, wasn't religious. Actually, the Bible is not even about religion. The Bible is about relationship, right? The Bible is about God. God wanting to have relationship with us. Amen. And I think the most beautiful example of this is the story of Paul. Does everybody know Paul? You should know Paul because he had swag. His swag was on another level. See, See, if you don't know Paul, let me give you his resume really quick. He wrote half of the New Testament, right, 13 out of the 27 books in the New Testament. He led three epic mission trips across the Roman Empire, planted churches, saved many in a hostile environment, right? He had a PhD in philosophy and religion, probably from Stanford, right? (laughs) And he did not only have his PhD, but he was an OG. He was an original gangster. This was a bad dude. He was awesome, right? We know Paul. See, if we can put our series verse up, Romans 12, 9 through 12, this is from Paul as well. He says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Amen? See, we know Paul. We know this guy. We read his writings. We know him, right? And, and, and he, how great he was, how much he suffered for Christ. He put his life on the line For Jesus, right? My question is not so much, do you know Paul today, church? But do you know Saul? Because to understand what it means to say the gospel is not about being religious, is to understand not just what Paul did, but to understand what Saul did. Right? Paul was formerly known as Saul. And Saul was a mass murderer. Saul was a terrorist. Saul didn't just terrorize people, he terrorized Christians, people that wanted to follow Christ. He would kill them and he would capture them and he would put them in captivity, right? In Acts 9, this this verse we're about to read, it it actually tells us that he was so successful in his quest for destroying the, the, the people that called themselves the way, right? He was so successful in that, that he asked a high priest, one of the governing bodies, can he go out to Damascus 150 miles away so that he can capture more Christians? This guy was thug, thug life, like this guy was a bad dude, right? And, 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 and. And this is crazy because how does it go from this guy that caused so much pain and suffering to so many Christians, right? To this guy who ends up advocating for Jesus and putting his life on the line for Jesus, right? And if you know the story, it didn't come through religion. It came through relationship, right? On the road to Damascus, he was encountered by Jesus with the bright light that stopped him in his tracks he was on the road to Damascus to, to, to kill more Christians, but then Jesus stopped him. And I think there's a sermon in there because it wasn't about him finding Jesus. It was about Jesus finding him. Amen? Amen. He pursued us. He stopped us. Right. And he transformed our life. But I think a lot of times people stop at that encounter with Jesus and think that that was the fulfillment of the conversion pro- process from Saul going to Paul. But actually, it wasn't the fulfillment of the conversion process. Jesus chose to use a man named Ananias to fulfill the conversion process. Ananias wasn't Jesus. He was just a guy just like you and me, a disciple, a follower of Christ. Amen. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we do that, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this day, God. We just thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have the best plan for our lives. I thank you, God, that you'll speak through me today, that your word would just be so powerful that it would just change us and transform us today. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. So you've all heard the saying, right? No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. You guys heard that. Um, You know, it's usually used in a context of uh, working out or in the context of sports. Maybe you've heard it from a coach before, or that dad that was trying to live vicariously through you. You're on your last sprint, or you're on your last rep, you're tired, no pain, no gain. That yell just comes, no pain, no gain, right? And we generally understand the concept, I think. It's basically, I can't gain or get the results I'm looking for if I'm not willing to overcome the pain, right? To go through the struggle. The gain comes with the pain. And we get this, right? I think we get this. But oftentimes, do we live it out? Do we internalize it? Right? Because I know I don't. Right? I, I like to admit that I don't always live with this mentality or philosophy of no pain, no gain. And, and I'm not that embarrassed to admit that because I know I'm not alone. Right? Because I've seen the people working out in the gym. Some people that work out at the gym. And you know what I'm talking about. The people that go to the gym, they want the results, they want the gain, but they're doing everything possible not to really work out. Right? It's like taking selfies by the weights and then, you know, check out the mirror, do a little bit of flexing, and then take another break and look if anybody liked my picture. Right? Check in to 24-hour fitness, hashtag beast mode. But... (laughs) but they're not really working out, right? They're not working out. It's so funny because we want the gain. We're there at the gym because we want the gain, but if we were honest with ourselves, we procrastinate sometimes because we don't necessarily want the pain, right? We want the gain, but not the pain. We want the six-pack, but don't like crunches. We want to lose weight, but always take the elevator one flight of stairs at work every single day. That's my story, yeah. We want the gain, but not the pain, and, and not even in the context of working out. I have what's called Bible study time a lot of times, and I go to a cafe to have Bible study time, and what I find myself doing is so interesting. I'm so excited to read the Bible and everything, and then I set my Bible down, I have my big concordance, and then I have my latte with the heart and the foam, you know what I'm talking about? And the light is just hitting it just right. It's like God's glory is just all over it, right? it's awesome so I'm like I gotta take a picture of this this has gotta be on Instagram everybody's gotta know that I'm about to have an epic bible study time and I'm trying to get the right angle and everything I'm like going like you know far away up close and I'm trying to put the right filter on it and then 30 minutes later I finally post it I'm like oh man it's it's time to go but I got the picture it's like I just did it right it's like I just did it right and you got quiet because you know that's real. Okay. I know you guys. I know how you think because I think the same way. Okay. All right. We want the gain. We want the accomplishment, but not the pain. Right? How many people want a good marriage, but don't want to really go out of their way to romance their spouse or give them a little bit of a surprise, right? How many people want to be a leader, but don't like people? They don't- I don't want to deal with this. All these different personalities and dynamics, I just want to lead, right? (laughs) Most people, man, most people, they want to fit in. They want to be fit. They want to gain wisdom. They want to have great relationship. But the thing is, just wanting it doesn't make it happen. You're going to have to want to have the struggle that's attached to it, Right? And I'm not talking about pointless pain today, so don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about just inviting things in your life that, that hurt you and just being okay with that. I'm not talking about pointless pain. I'm talking about purposeful pain, right? <laughs> you want to be fit. You got to be okay with the hard work and pain that is at the gym. You want to have wisdom. You have to be willing to go through the struggle to understand, right? You want to have a great relationship. You got to work through the good times and the bad times. You got to work it out. You got to work out the disagreements, right? No pain, no gain. And that's exactly, that's exactly what Jesus says at the start of Saul's conversion experience, right? Like I said, Saul, he was on the road to Damascus. He gets stopped by Jesus, right? And, and, and Jesus blinds him, actually. He encounters him, blinds him, sends him into the city to wait. And then we pick it up in verse 11, where Jesus starts talking to this man named Ananias, a believer, just like you and me. And he says this, The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, Ananias, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Do you know what you're asking me, Jesus? But the Lord said, go, Ananias, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And watch this, verse 16, watch this. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Right. He told Ananias that Saul would fulfill this great plan and add so much gain to the kingdom of God. But there will be some suffering, some struggle attached to it. Right. No pain, no gain. And that speaks to me, church, and I hope it speaks to you today, because I believe we have people in here that want to be great, that want to be significant, and that want to have a great plan for their life. But maybe sometimes we're just intimidated by the struggle that might be attached to it, right? But I'm here to tell you today the good news that you're meant to overcome that struggle, amen? But sometimes we can get intimidated, and sometimes it stalls us into actually walking into our our calling, right? And we end up just looking in the mirror and stalling and flexing, right? Just like at the gym. That's my first point if you're taking notes today. Stop flexing, start working out. Stop flexing, start working out. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, don't flex on me. (laughs) See, why do we flex? Why do we flex? I think it's two reasons. This is just my analysis, Okay. This is not concrete fact, but I think we flex for two reasons. Either one, to show off, or two, to buy some time because we're procrastinating, right? And let's just get this straight. Um, For the first one, don't show off. It's a turn off. Just don't do that, right? And for the second one, we buy time, right? We procrastinate. But what that does is just prolongs what we were meant to do at the gym. We had a task, right? But we're just prolonging our calling, our task, right? What I'm trying to say is that Jesus didn't call us to flex, church. He didn't call us to flex our Christianity on people and make them feel bad about themselves because we think we're better people or have better Christian muscles or better Christians than them. He called us to have compassion and love on others. Amen. We're not meant to flex. We're called to work it out. And I'm not talking about bodybuilding. I'm not talking about just building our body. I'm talking about building others, building some boldness, building some courage, building up other people, right? Not tearing down, building up others, right? You're called to work it out. What does our series verse say? It says, Romans twelve ten: love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard, work hard and serve the Lord Enthusiastically, you're called to work it out, right? And this is cool because it fits into this story that we're reading here about Ananias. Jesus, he had a task for Ananias to work out, right? And just to get the picture, church, this is a crazy task. This is Saul we're talking about, somebody that's terrorizing people. It's literally like if um, Jesus came up to you and was like, Hey, I want you to go to Osama bin Laden's cave and have Bible study, right? And have community group. And I want you guys to pray together. What? Jesus, do you know what you're asking me? Do you know what you're asking me, Jesus? Right? And I love, you know, how Ananias responds. In verse 13, he said, but Lord, but Lord. And I love that because it's so relatable, right? Right? How many times do we say, but Lord, maybe not outwardly, but maybe sometimes we hear the voice of God and we hear him in our spirit. And he's trying to tug at our heart about something or he's trying to tug at our heart about someone. But we kind of hear it, but we push it away. We kind of ignore it like, nah, God, you wouldn't say that. Right. You want me to forgive my wife? Did you hear what she said to me? Right. But we, we, we hear we hear the voice of God, but do we want to listen, right? See, because Ananias, he had some good reasons. He had some valid points, if you ask me. But I love what Jesus says in response. In verse 15, he said, Go, Ananias. Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the nations, right? And you got to hear this today, church. God hears your reasons, But his reason is greater. His ways are higher. His plan is better. He has a master plan. Amen? Amen. That's my second point if you're taking notes today. His plan is better. His plan is better. So how many of you know that uh, song? Um, It it came out a while back. It's anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. Yes, I can. Okay. That's enough. That's enough. Um, I remember this so vividly because uh, there was a Gatorade commercial that came out around this, right? And it was Michael Jordan and Mia Hamm. And they were the whole time playing different sports, trying to outdo one another, right? And that song was playing in the background. And it was hilarious when they were doing it. I thought it was a, a good commercial. And, but how outrageous is it, is it? How ridiculous is it that sometimes we play this game with God, right? and try to outdo him or outthink him or outreason him, right? In our limited knowledge. But I have good news for you today, church. You don't have to do that because anything I can do, he can do better, right? His plan is better. His ways are higher. I have limited knowledge. He has foreknowledge. He knows all. He's an omniscient God. See, why do you think Ananias ultimately obeyed God and went to pray for Saul. Why do you think that? Why do you think after all the, the obstacles that might have been in front of him, it was a big obstacle too. This is Saul, by the way. Why do you think he ultimately obeyed God? Maybe because he gave up his logic and his reasoning and realized that Jesus' plan was better. Right? That Jesus had a better plan. And Jesus actually revealed that plan. What did he say? He said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument who's going to change the world right and this is powerful because what if you knew that your co-worker was gonna change the world for Jesus how would that change your approach to reaching out to him or her right what if you knew the massive potential that your coworker had right how would that change the way what would you be willing to do to point them to a relationship to Jesus what if you knew that your coworker's impact and influence was on the other side of your invitation? How would you invite church? Right? And I think it's a question worth asking. I think it's just so powerful to think about this a little bit. And I actually asked my community group this same question this past week. And it was one of the best discussions I think we've ever had in community groups. Because I just had all these ideas coming in of how that would change our approach. If they knew that coworker was going to change the world, how would it change their approach? We had some people saying that they would just encourage like crazy. They would encourage that coworker and just let that coworker know you have a great plan for your life. All those God-given abilities, you're going to do great things in this world. Amen? Amen. Some people just um, centered around the strategy of being creative. Understanding what gets this coworker going, you know what makes them tick what they 're passionate about, and just bonding over that, and then making them realize that God has a, a big plan for their creativity, that God has a big plan for their life, right Some people said I would just be direct i would be bold because I knew the plan that God had for them amen, and why was it so easy for the group to come up with these awesome ideas and And these these amazing approaches, I think, is because this when you see the opportunity over the obstacle, you become so much more effective, so much more relentless. Right. So much more confident and obedient. Come on, church. Let's be those people that see the opportunity over the obstacle. Amen. Let's see the potential in people because because this is this is what it is he said that in second corinthians 5:17 therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old things have passed behold all things have become new now all things are of god people don't god doesn't just have mediocre plans for some people and best plans for others he has best plans for everyone Right. Everyone has potential. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plan is better. Amen. Amen. See, Ananias, he realized this, that God's plan was better. He understood the opportunity over the big obstacle that was ahead of him. And God, he has uh, put this incredible vision on this church, right, to uh, reach 5,000 people in five years. And so easily we can see all the obstacles that might be in the way, right? And I think that sometimes what it allows us to do is is get a little bit overwhelmed and and stressed with with what does it take to reach 5,000? Surely I have to turn into a Paul now, right? I have to turn into a Paul and And don't get me wrong, some people in this world will be called to be Pauls of this world, to to be the Billy Grahams of this world, the Adam and Kira Smallcombs of this world, the church planners, the people that, that reach thousands of people, right? But not everyone is called to be Paul, but everyone is called to be Ananias, right? What if we were less concerned about trying to reach 5,000 people on our own, but we're just more obedient with the five people in our world wow, that could reach 1,000 each, right? How encouraging is that? First point, stop flexing, start working out. Second point, because he has a better plan. Last point, now watch the scales fall. Now watch the scales fall. And I'm going to close with this. I'm going to get the band to come back up. When you're uh, working out and, and losing weight, right, how do you know that your hard work and your diligence and your diligence to following the plan, how do you know that you're having effectiveness in it? What's the evidence for your effectiveness, right? And I think there's many ways you can probably tell what the evidence is, but one way we do it is through what's called a scale, Right? And we get so happy when we get on the scale, when we see the the numbers on the scale fall, right, from what they used to be. Because that's validation, that's evidence that your workout has been effective, right? And Ananias, he was also diligent. He also trusted and followed the plan of God. And then what happened? We read it in verse 17. It says this, So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then watch this. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. How do you know when you're being effective, right? How do you know when, when you're going out there and you're giving it your all and, and you're being effective for Christ? You'll start seeing scales fall, right? Wow. The Silicon Valley is is spiritually blind. We learned that a few weeks ago, church. They got scales in front of their eyes of, of discouragement maybe, right? Or of judgment in the past, right? Scales of confusion or maybe scales of hatred and and negativity, right? But as you go out into your workplace and share the joy of the Lord, you'll start to see scales fall. That family member that just might always be negative and on you and, and putting you down, but your response is always in love because you know that God loves you that much will cause the scales to fall, right? That friend that is just so disillusioned by Christianity Because when they grew up in the church, they just got judged all the time, right? Your grace, the extension of grace that you realize because you've been saved by grace will cause the scales to fall. Amen? Amen. How do you know you're being effective? Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And this word instantly, I think sometimes can be interpreted Because I don't think it was so much that Ananias thought that this moment, this miracle that he was part of was just in that instant. I refuse to believe that Ananias was just chosen by random, by random happenstance, that he was just at the right place at the right time, right? And he got to be part of this awesome miracle. And why do I think this? If we go back to verse 10, We don't know a lot about Ananias, but we do know what's in verse 10. Turn with me and and read this. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And then the Lord called him to a vision, Ananias. And then he replied saying, yes, Lord. From just that one verse, what do we know about Ananias? We know, one, that he was a disciple. He was a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Number two, we knew that he could hear from God. That he can hear from God. And why could he hear from God? Maybe because he was familiar with God's voice. He spent some time with God. And Ananias wasn't chosen at random. Not by perchance that he had this opportunity to be part of this miracle. He was chosen because he was well positioned to be used by God. Amen? See, God, he, he has great things for your life. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And he can use anybody. You just got to be willing and available and be positioned to be used by God. You being in the Silicon Valley is already significant, church, because we have many people with great influence. We have many people with great power and, and knowledge, just like Saul did. And we're called as the church to reach out to them like Ananias did right and it's not always going to be easy i'm not going to stand up here and say that it's really ever easy right it's going to be a struggle we're going to have to toil with some trials but the good news is is we're meant to overcome them right with god's help and how many know that going through a struggle going through a trial doesn't mean you have to lose your joy Because what does Paul say? Count it all joy, right? What does our series verse say? It says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And God will meet you, church. God will meet your friends. We don't build this church. God builds his church. We just need to make ourselves available. Amen? Amen? Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust you heard from God and that you're more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area, we'd love for you to come and attend a service. For more information about C3SV, please visit www.c3sv.com.